Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. Daily Sports Talk Show. Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, Montana? Welcome in. Happy Monday. What a great Monday to be alive. So often in life, you know that there are certain things on the horizon. That's what makes sports great is the scheduling of things are so concrete. You know when an event is going to occur. So often in life, those events fail to live up to the hype. Not so this weekend. Western Montana the center of the football and sports universe around the great state of Montana. What a fun weekend it was. And what a fun show we have lined up for you today. If you haven't heard, we got all sorts of state champions from across Western Montana, including the Sentinel Spartans at the Class AA level, the Hamilton Bronx at the Class A level, the Florence Falcons at the Class B level, the Thompson Falls Blue Hawks at the Class C eight-man level, And then we can't leave out the six-man champions, Freud Lake. And then at the collegiate level, the University of Montana. State champions once again. I know a lot of people in the rivalry hate when they call it the state championship. But it is. That's what it is. It's a reunion of people from across the greatest state in the United States. And it was a phenomenal afternoon at Washington Grizzly Stadium. I don't care which side of the rivalry you're on. I know there's a lot of Bobcat people right now licking their wounds. A lot of Grizz people right now trumpeting uh, the... The triumph that was a 29-10 victory over Montana State for Montana. But the result aside, and I'm going to get into what I learned from Coach Mike Kramer last week because I do think it was incredibly pertinent and important as well. But besides that, the the, the execution of the event, the spectacle that it was, the storylines that came out of it, and the energy that existed throughout the entire state of Montana over this last weekend was awesome. Every single sporting event, every single game that ever exists has a winner and they have a loser. The the, the agony and the ecstasy, right? I was standing right in the middle of Missoula County Public Stadium on Friday night thinking of this. On one side, I'm getting hugs and, and daps from every single Sentinel kid. On the other side, there's a bunch of Billings West kids that are crying their eyes out. 
That's why we love sports is the emotion of it. But sometimes the result gets in the way of all the good things that come from it. Every single athlete that participated this weekend deserves a ton of credit and deserves they have a lot to be proud of. And everybody that engaged in all of the energy that was created by the awesome fans for all of these different sports and all these different teams, they deserve a lot of credit as well. So we'll get all the way into it, get things started off here on Nuanas now with the Montana Football Hour like we do for the first hour of each and every Monday show. And unfortunately, our good friend Marty Morningway, Coach Marty, he's under the weather. He's got a little bit of a stuffed up, so he's going to not be here this week. He'll be back next week, but that's okay. we got all sorts of stuff to talk about, so we're going to talk rivalry game all throughout. My good friend Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me. Both the result that was at Washington Grizzly Stadium on Saturday plus some of the other results from around the state of Montana and what it means going forward now because the dust has settled and it's time to buck back up. Doesn't matter if you're the Grizz or the Bobcats. Now you got a playoff run to go concentrate on. So as great as the event was, as disheartening as the loss might have been, there's a lot to play for still for both of these schools. So we'll get into all that and then continue to just talk about the playoff bracket with Andrew Houghton at the top of the hour and then Excited for this. Dane Oliver and the defensive coordinator for the Sentinel Spartans, Mike Matz. They're both going to swing by about 5.30 as well. One other uh, PSA for the rest of the week. No nuances now after today. Got to take a little time off. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we've done nuances now every weekday for the entire duration of this year. And uh, my boss and the powers that be said, hey, there's only like five weeks left of the year and you got three weeks of vacation, so you got to leave. You got to get out of here. So no nuances now the rest of the week. But I did not want to take this Monday off because we got so much to get to. Riley, thanks so much for being here, man. How you doing? I am doing great, Coulter. I think the the voice for all of those out there, it might be on the mend a little bit. It's been a, Oh, my gosh, right? It, it was a long day Saturday, and then <laughs> after that. I can't talk at all. I called somebody this morning. Oh. They're like, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. I just talked for 14 straight hours. I have no juice left in my y- voice. Yeah, that's exactly how it was. You, you put the emotion into what that game meant, and oh, my gosh, it's incredible across the board. Then for me, it was rally time to get ready for basketball that night against Omaha. You're a machine, man. <laughs> it was a it was a heck of a day, but what a weekend! Uh, what a great weekend for the University of Montana. Everything that you said, I echo. We love sports. We missed it so much in the last year, and it all kind of came to a head this last weekend with five different state champions being crowned, and then. The Grizz beating the Cats, and I know we're going to get into the ins and the outs of how it happened, why it happened, the effects that are going to happen down the road, um, the playoff bracket, which I think creates a lot of conversation. Oh, man. Wow. I mean, I mean wow. See, I, I, I was, I've been foreshadowing that the Big Sky was going to get slighted in some form or fashion. I'll, I was wrong. They got five teams in. I was right. They did crazy stuff in the bracket. What in the heck? I mean, I'm looking Every at Big Sky this. team got a bad draw. Every single one. There's not one good draw. I, I, Every Big Sky team got a bad draw. Yes. And I would say eight of the ten best teams in the country are on the one side of the bracket. A- absolutely. Which is mind-blowing in itself. I know there's a lot of upset people in Cheney, Washington right about now when you come down to the seeds and East Tennessee State getting one over the Eagles. I mean, every result that had to happen. We have so much to dive into, but the the short version of the summary is what an incredible weekend. I I think through a lot of the calls, if you heard the highlight video or anything, it was kind of an out-of-body experience at times. And I think that that atmosphere at Washington Grizzly Stadium kind of created that for all of us, whether it was in my chair, your chair, anyone else that uh, got to experience that Saturday. If you want to look Listen to this show uh, somewhere besides the traditional radio. Go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live. If you don't have SWX or, or you're not able to tune into SWX, you want to watch us, you want to see our pretty faces, go to the YouTube channel, N-U-A-N-E-Z. We'll get you there, and uh, you can watch all the stuff on YouTube as well. And uh, congratulations to our winners for our big fall giveaways. Our good friend Pat just swung by, picked up his Traeger grill. He's pretty excited. And uh, we'll get around to the other person getting theirs as well. But it was a fun afternoon on Saturday, so let's dive into it. First of all, I'll take it through my weekend. This is the Montana Football Hour, presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank invites you to experience the Stockman difference. As a family-owned community bank with locations throughout Montana, Stockman Bank is committed to enriching the lives of Montanans and helping our communities succeed. Got out of here on Friday. I needed to finish up three features to get them ready for our our opening Saturday. Uh, Basically, we wanted Skyline Sports to look, you know, just like a game day insert, but on the the internet webs. And uh, 
So I got home, and I had to pound out a story, and then I ran down to Missoula Sentinel, and the way that that game went down, it was 15. I didn't get there until right before halftime. It was 15-6, pretty good slugfest, and then Sentinel just absolutely took off. Onside kick to begin the second half. Then they go to get, Onions. A, get, a, then they get a house call right after that. Uh, two plays later, Easton Ledbetter scores like a 50-yard touchdown, and so now they're in control. Then West panics a little bit. They go for it on fourth down within their own territory, and Sentinel gets a stop. And then they come down, and they go for it on fourth down. And the big quarterback, which was almost symbolic of things to come on Saturday, Zach Cruz, the University of Montana commit, trucks a West defender in the hole, converts the fourth down. They score two plays later, and all of a sudden they're off and running. Sentinel, a 35-6 to victory over Billings West for a 21st consecutive victory and a second consecutive Class AA state championship. Meanwhile, then the the success for teams from the West continued. Hamilton finally snaps the streak. They've been in the state championship game three times in five years. This time they get it done. 21-7, they beat Laurel uh, on the road against the defending state Class A champion. So congratulations to Bryce Carver and the Hamilton Bronx. The Class B level, Forest was untouchable. They were not even it was not even a competitive game this year. They won the state championship 40 to 8 over Big Fork. So a resounding victory for them. And then once again, Thompson Falls and Freud Lake take your two. Class C championships, but I was up pretty late Friday night getting all the stuff ready to go. Then I wake up Saturday, and out-of-body experience is the right way to say it because the narrative around these two programs coming out of 2019, which was one of the most unlikely results we've ever seen in a rivalry game, the first time in my 15 years covering the Big Sky in which the Bobcat-Grizz rivalry game resulted in a blowout in which Montana State won. It was the first time that had ever happened in my career covering it but then the next two years happen that include the cancellation of all the sports and the pandemic and Jeff Choate splitting and all these different storylines. And it was almost as if we put all of the games leading up to Saturday's game a notch below where we normally would for a regular season because the narrative around the state forever was a collision course. We're marching toward this ultimate matchup between two powers. And then we finally got it, and so the anticipation, I was like having an out-of-body experience as well during our pregame show, just letting it rip. It was almost like somebody else was speaking for me because I just had it all in my head. And then you get to Washington Grizzly Stadium. From the from the moment Jace Lewis walked out of the tunnel doing his best Ray Lewis impression to the moment that the F-15s flew over the stadium to the moment that the student section was basically falling out of the stands. They were so crazy and wild and jacked up. To the opening kickoff to Junior Birkin's 74-yard touchdown on the second play of the game. It was among the greatest energies I've ever felt in Missoula and at Washington Grizzly Stadium. And again, there's so much to be gained from sport that has nothing to do with the final result. And what I thought we saw on Saturday was the engagement of our state and our community and one of the great spectacles you could ever see. And again, I think that the win or the loss of the event is so far down of what made that whole afternoon great. And I know there's a lot of people that are upset that Montana State lost that are listening to this show, but I would say take it for what it's worth, which is an impassioned football game that is displaying some of the most talented young people that we have in the state of Montana. But more importantly, the coalescing of so many different people from so many different communities coming together to celebrate what we identify as part of our identity as Montanans. And I think that's the thing that made Saturday so special. So I, I thought it was great, though, watching the highlight video because I know you well enough and I listen enough of your calls that you're such a pro, you have such a great style. I never heard you as excited as I, ever, as I heard you on the 74-yard touchdown, man. I think the emotion took over, right? My brother said he couldn't even take pictures because his camera was shaking because the, the venue was so uh, just completely off the chain. It was unbelievable atmosphere in Missoula on Saturday. I, I, I have heard that from a couple of people that have listened to me over the years. And after watching the highlight video back and just kind of trying to, to absorb what happened, I'd agree with you, and I think that... There's a couple things there. The emotion of the game when you have so much buildup. I mean, you do the same thing. Skyline Sports MT, all the content you produce, right? I spend a ton of time putting those boards together and just locking into this matchup. And when you're invested in a program as well, you know how much it means. And that's where the rivalry aspect came into play here. It had been over 2,100 days since the Grizz had beaten right. the Cats. This was the game, no matter what Montana State was going to be coming into this game, this was the year that Montana had to turn the tide. 
Period. They had him at home. Yep. They thought they had a good team. Didn't matter all the injuries they had through October. Yep. The lead up to this year was at the end of the. This is the year the, the rivalry has to flip. Well, Montana State tried to wreck the script by winning nine in a row and thinking, are they the better team here? And I think that was a challenge for this Grizzlies team. We talked about it a week ago on this show. Kind of that underdog mentality, but yep. but more than anything else of no one believes we can do this. Sure. And there was, to me, there was four years of frustration kind of built up in that game for the team on the field. For me in the call, absolutely. I would say four years of emotion. And when they popped the lid off that place, and I think that the half hour that you just described well, from the student section to the to the flyover to the national anthem, all of the goosebumps that you get. And then on the second play of the game to have that, the longest play from scrimmage this year on an offense that maybe their biggest Achilles heel is they haven't been explosive. Yep. Well, that defined explosive. And, and from there on out, it seemed like, and I'll be careful with the word here, the route was on, but in some ways it kind of was from that second play on because Montana was the one that had Montana State on their heels. Montana Football Hours presented in part by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine is proud to be the largest of all Montana RV dealers. They've been family owned and operated for more than 50 years. So swing in 4,800 Grant Creek Road and start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana. I thought that this game... Coming into the game, you could talk about the league's leading rush offense versus the league's leading rush defense. You could talk about this team's linebackers against that team's linebackers or you know this team's offensive line versus that team's defensive front. There's a bunch of X's and O's matchups. When you put it on a docket, if you were objectively analyzing it, it was basically checking boxes on both sides. Both teams have elite talent, particularly in certain areas. I thought there was no real crazy mismatch for either side that they could exploit. I thought that it came down to two factors. And I said this coming into the game, I thought those played out exactly how we thought they might. Everybody kept asking me to make a prediction. I did not make a prediction, but I gave a bunch of the Bobcats will win if and the Grizz will win if. I did that on radio hits across the Northwestern United States all week last week. I said the Bobcats will win if the members of the team that are new to the rivalry Settle in and don't get overwhelmed by the moment. Specifically, head coach Brent Vegan and his new coordinators, and specifically Matt McKay, the quarterback. Because we've seen previously, McKay have the ability to melt down in games, and none of the games that they played before were anywhere close to the magnitude of the intensity of the environment like they did in Missoula. So the Grizz would win, not if they just seized momentum, but if they could seize momentum and then carry it. You and I have talked about this every Monday for 10 weeks in a row. Bobby Houck's football teams play a momentum-based style. The Grizz have had moments in every single football game they've played this year in which they seize momentum. They have not been able to carry it at times. The last month they have, and on Saturday, they seize momentum on the second play of the game, and they seize the momentum into then suffocating Montana State the rest of the afternoon. So well put on both sides because we thought coming in, okay, what could be X factors one way or another? For Montana, they needed to jump out in front. And, and I go to a stat that we looked at, and you followed the Cats all year long. Yep. You know this was a team that didn't trail by very much. Nope. But we also know they weren't built to play from behind. It's a very similar narrative for both sides, right? Absolutely. Both sides want to let their defense just run roughshod over you, but it's a lot harder when you don't have a lead. Both teams absolutely built to play with leads, no question. Two numbers that were fascinating to me in the prep on this. There were 600 game minutes that the Cats had played leading up to this game, right? Ten, ten games at 60 minutes apiece. How many minutes do you think they had trailed? Four. Fifty. Okay. Fifty. But that's still. A, I mean, I really, I, I really wasn't even trying to be that, exaggerating when I, I was only, I was that, really thinking about but, like they trailed like the second half of the fourth quarter in Wyoming, and I did. I was not at a Bobcat game the rest of the year in which they trailed that I can recall. They were winning most of that. I think Eastern went back and forth. They were a down. Thir- they were down thirteen seven early in the second quarter against Eastern. That's but right. But fifty out of six hundred minutes, and then then I'll get this one to you. What was their largest deficit of the year they had to play with? One touchdown? Six points. Yeah, six points. Eastern Washington. 13-7 at the beginning of the second quarter against Eastern Washington. That's Bingo. Right. Well, guess what? They trailed by seven or more for the final 59 minutes of that game. And they are not built to play from behind, number one. You put the emotion, the energy, everything in between. This is not a knock on Taylor Housewright. But I looked this up in prep, too. I thought this was fascinating. Yep. When Taylor Housewright was born... Kent Bear was the defensive coordinator at Cal. <laughs> and, that, right. and that's the, that's ma- right. that's the matchup. That's right. That's right. That, I mean, 
right there in it itself, trying yeah. to adjust on the fly. Yeah, I mean, when, when Freddie Banks was born, Montana State's defensive coordinator, Tim Rosemont, was playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Bingo. I mean, yeah. right there. I mean, you knew those X factors would come into play a little bit. And it was just a, a microcosm of everything. If you're a Cap fan and you try and script out the worst-case scenarios, all of them happened in the game on Saturday. Right. And it just it was this steamrolling effect of momentum. It... it uh I thought that there was a lot of different elements that went into this. Obviously, this game, so often the narrative coming out of it has to do with energy, emotion, and it, because it is a gigantic part of this game. Motivation, you know, a lot of the intangible elements of football are, are always part of the narrative of this game. Let's talk about the tangible elements of this real quick. It is Montana Football Hour here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. From a tangible element, the story of the Grizz season for the majority of the Big Sky Conference season was how hurt Montana was. Tangibly, Montana was back at least closer to being at full strength. I thought Dylan Cook being ready to go was big. He had missed the previous two games, a senior right tackle, a guy from Butte who had a lot to play for. And I think Brandon Casey has a lot of potential as Montana's right tackle or left tackle or whatever. He's going to be a good player. He's actually, I think, going to be a very good player. But there's a huge difference between having a fifth-year guy and a first-year guy, especially when you have to go against guys like Daniel Hardy and Amandre Williams, which, by the way, although Montana State got run over on, on Saturday by the momentum of, of the moment, I thought there were certain elements in which the Bobcats played tremendously well. None of those happened to be on offense, though, and that was a, a huge issue for Montana State. But other tangible elements of this game, I thought Cam Humphrey uh, played inspired at quarterback for Montana. I think that he really has turned a corner the last month of the season. I think he learned a lot while he was sitting on the sideline because I think he's made adjustments to the way he operates the offense. I thought that defensively, though, I thought that Jace Lewis continues to play the best football of his career, which is such a huge boost for Montana. I also thought that even though it's probably not going to show up in the stat sheets or the awards, I know Robbie Houck was the National Player of the Week two weeks ago. I thought Robbie Houck played his best game of the year on Saturday as well. And it's not surprising, given that what that it means to those guys. But then on the other side of this, Montana State, not having TJ Session at right tackle uh, hurt Montana State more than than uh, I expected because they did not make the move I expected them to make. I was surprised. I thought they were going to bump Taylor Tuiasa Sopo out to right tackle as they had against Idaho State earlier this year when Session was out. Was it Idaho State? Maybe it was... Well, TJ Session I had been it was hurt. Idaho State. TJ Session had been hurt earlier this year, and Taylor Tuiasa Sobo had bumped out to tackle. One start at right tackle. One one game. Yes, I expected that to occur again. Two reasons: because I thought you could hide guys at guard a little bit better, especially in Montana State's offense, and the guys that would be the next guys up at guard would have been older. Montana State went with Rush Reimer, his first career college start. He's a true freshman at right tackle. That's an impossible situation to be in. I thought that was a grave error, coaching-wise. I did. I thought that was a grave error that Montana State had. And then the other tangible factor I think worth mentioning is that Isaiah Fonse certainly was not at full health, you could tell. But Montana also seemed more than intent to try to make it as difficult as possible on Montana State's potential All-American running back. Isaiah Fonse, until the middle of the fourth quarter on that final drive for them, yeah. his longest run of the day was five yards. Right. He averages six and a half a carry. Exactly. That was fascinating to me to find out. I mean, Bobby Houck said this all year as they've went through their injury troubles. No matter how good our freshmen are, they're not going to match up against another team's senior. That's right. And I think that's what you have Rush Reimer going up against. O'Connell. Right, or Bill, the, Joel Babros, Justin, Justin Belknap. Those are yeah. se- six, seventh-year seniors. Totally. Patrick O'Connell, a fifth-year junior. I mean, the experience was just not going to match up. I, I'm curious, I because you're you are the the line wizard as far as what you watch, because you can watch things that are different, at least from mm-hmm. me and a lot of other fans. Because we knew the narrative the last couple of years, right? The Grizzlies got pushed around up front, specifically in the rivalry game. Yep. How do you think that matchup went out throughout the course of the game? Because it looked to me. That Montana obviously held their end of the bargain. I think Dylan Cook trying to neutralize uh, Hardy was massive in this game. The the reason that the the offense that Jeff Choate, particularly the last two years when Matt Miller was the offensive coordinator at Montana State, the reason it gave Montana so many fits, you always hear about opposing coaches when they're playing Montana talking about their offense not seeing ghosts because there's so much pre-snap, post-snap movement. You're whiffing, you're blocking the wrong guy, you don't know the pressure's coming from. Jailbreak, multiple guys running free. Well, Montana State also made you see ghosts with their offensive movement, the pre-snap stuff, the gap scheme stuff, the way that they move their guards around. It was truly, if you could design the worst offense to run the Grizzly defense against 
it was Montana State's former offense. That's not the case anymore. Montana State's run game, while absolutely prolific, is nowhere near as creative as it was the last couple of years. Part of that's because they simplified things because they got the bell cow. They got the dude where you can just give him the ball 30 times, he gets 200 yards. So you don't need to have 23 different guys getting carries like they did in 2019. That's a real statistic. 23 guys carried the ball in 2019 for Montana State. But also, um, I thought that what it really comes down to, we talked about this all season long as well, the Grizzlies, they do what they do on defense. There's not that many adjustments or things that they can check to. They just need to be one step ahead of you and then just absolutely avalanche you. And you know who's seeing ghosts more than anybody? Matt McKay. Matt McKay. Matt, I watched the game again uh, last night, at least a, a part of it. By the way, it's so annoying that I can't find this thing archived anywhere. I was, like, watching the replay as it was being played on the TV, but I couldn't even record it. Regardless, oh, geez. we're not going down that road. But I did watch about two quarters of it again, and there's multiple throws where Matt McKay wasn't even looking. He's preparing for the hit that he's, like, wincing so hard that he's just throwing it. So I think it's twofold. One, Bobby Halk was asked three different ways about the diversity of Montana State's offense because Lance McCutcheon came in the game as the leading receiver in the Big Sky Conference. We're going to get into some of the uh, logistical and schematic changes that Montana State made, or excuse me, that Montana made uh, here in the second segment. But Bobby Halk doubled down multiple times. He said it to me. He said it to you. He said it to everybody. It starts and ends with their run game. I'm not. He didn't even address the pass game. He didn't address McCutcheon because if you take away that inside stuff. There is no room over the top. And so McKay was just letting it fly because he knew that the pressure was coming. But I thought the fact that they could put so much pressure on him and completely negate anything that Montana State can do in the trenches, anything they could do with Afonso, healthy or not, it, it eliminated basically all of the continuity of Montana State's offense. And they went from a team that looked pretty good offensively to the, then the last little while, not very good, to Saturday, non-existent. Non-existent and not a completion over 20 yards. And that came at the very end on that final drive for them. And I know we're going to get into this individual matchup more, but the Grizzlies decision to put Justin Ford exclusively on Lance McCutcheon uh, turned to being a game changer. Yes, it did. And they absolutely were going to dare Matt McKay to throw. And I give Bobby Houck a lot of credit. And we're going to talk about this too with maybe the change in mindset. It wasn't old Bobby Houck as far as, disparaging them at all. Everything was complimentary on Montana State. But at the same time, we all knew it. They wanted to make Matt McKay try and beat him. To dare Matt McKay to throw and try and beat him. At one point, he was 4 of 11 passing for 22 yards. When they become one-dimensional, it was a different story. Um, And it's just crazy how the individual matchups worked out. And Matt McKay... I wonder, I was surprised, honestly, that he came to the post-game press conference as well because you could just tell probably middle of the third quarter, waving the white flag a little bit. I mean, once yeah. that blocked field goal happened, and you could tell it too, you could just see it in his eyes. I mean, he didn't want any, he didn't want any more in that game. Yeah, I mean, moments in the game to go through too, by the way. I thought that the key plays in the game were Junior Bergen's 74-yard touchdown on the second play of the game. Then the fact that Montana won the field position battle to such an extent that it was almost like they were playing arena football. I mean, the football was it was it was only on half the field. Like I got a couple texts from people that were sitting in the north end zone saying, I'm not getting the action down here. Nothing's going on. Because both the huge Grizz plays, Bergen's 74-yard touchdown and Jace Lewis's, I guess we'll call it forced fumble on the fake field goal by Montana State, resulted in Justin Ford's long touchdown. Both those right into the south end zone. But those were the two key plays of the game. Underrated how much the domination of the field position, which then kept the game on one side of the field, which then set up Kevin Macias for five field goals. That was the thing that kept Montana State at bay. Wasn't it fitting, too, that it came down to a lot of special team stuff? For I sure. Mean, the things that you can't really equate. Junior Bergen being the punt returner, that was kind of the surprise that was going to be unveiled, and it turned out to be a huge weapon. And talk about the north end zone. The one time where they certainly made the impact was when the Cats were driving initially, it was third down and two at the five-yard line, yep. and a team that commits four penalties per game is all. I mean, that's minuscule. Yep. Back-to-back false starts, settle for a field goal. That was a key sequence in the game as well where, you know, if we're going chess match, trying to match pound for pound, that could have been a big moment in that game too. Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank. 
When you bank with Stackman Bank, you receive personalized custom service. Stackman Bank helps blend traditional Western values with modern conveniences and state-of-the-art technology. They provide time-tested products and services from people who truly care about you and your financial success. No matter what side of the rivalry you're on, what happened on Saturday was a good thing. Why? We'll tell you more right after this. Nuan is now. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. in Missoula Sports Center. One rivalry streak ended and another winning streak continued as Montana smashed its rival in Missoula for the first time in close to a decade on Saturday afternoon. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Junior Bergen scored a 74-yard touchdown on the second play of the game and the Grizzlies were off to the races in the 120th rivalry matchup against Montana State at Washington Grizzlies Stadium. A stadium record 26,856 were ignited as Bergen, a billing senior product who originally signed with MSU, opened up a contest which turned into a rout. Montana stuffed the Bobcats from start to finish, allowing the number three team in the FCS to gain just 204 yards while rolling up four sacks and nine tackles for loss. When Captain Jace Lewis came off the edge and forced a fumble on a fake field goal attempt by MSU, a play that led to Justin Ford scooping and scoring from 56 yards out, it was Bedlam in the Garden City as number seven Montana rolled to a 29-10 victory that certainly vaults the Grizz to a first-round playoff bye. The victory is Montana's first in the rivalry since a 54-35 win in Bozeman back in 2015 and halts the Bobcats' first four game rivalry winning streak since the late 1970s. The Grizz take a five-game winning streak overall into their FCS record 25th playoff appearance, including the second in a row and ninth total under head coach Bobby Howe. Montana State's nine-game winning streak ended with MSU's first loss in Missoula since 2014. The Bobcats will still get a playoff bid and are still in the mix for a first-round bye. For a full recap of this game, tune into the Montana Football Hour at 4 p.m. Monday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. If it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? If it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? As the clock wound down and Cam Humphrey took his final victory kneel for Montana to seal a 29-10 victory over Montana State. The only moment in the sun that offensive linemen ever get occurred as Montana's senior offensive linemen, Conlon Beaver, Moses Mallory, and Dylan Cook literally skipped their way down the field at Washington Grizzly Stadium in anticipation of meeting the truck to hoist the the uh, Great Divide Trophy. I've never seen Big Mo run that fast. I never, he's never. <laughs> I, I didn't even know a guy of that size could skip whatsoever, and he definitely did. And that was the scene. As of all songs, Billy Idol's "Money Money" plays over the loudspeaker. Those are the those are the moments. It's not even that the accentuation of which side you're on. That's why I keep trying to remind people. It's the vividness of the of the spectacle that's created, and I find great joy when the offensive linemen get to pick up the trophy and carry around the field no matter who wins because it's the only time that the big boys get to show off what they're all about. So Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, Montana Football Hour. My good friend Riley Corcoran joining me, Coulter Nuanas, here in studio. If you missed it, big-time victory for Montana, snapping a four-game losing streak to Montana State and sewing up a top-five seed in the playoffs. We didn't even get to that part yet, but we talked about the bracket, but we'll analyze the bracket here in the next segment. But here's your draws for the uh, top eight seeds and the Big Sky Conference. Sam Houston State's the number one seed. Number two is North Dakota State. 
Number three is James Madison. Number four, your undefeated Big Sky Conference champion, Sacramento State. Asterisk, I know they didn't play Montana State, Eastern Washington, or Weber, but they did go 8-0 in league play. And uh, they get the four seed, Sac State does. Um, who got the five? Villanova? Villanova. And Villanova that's, sort that's of contra- what I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, Villanova but... is sort of controversial. Gets the five. Montana gets the six. East Tennessee gets the seven. Controversial. Montana State gets the eight. And I do know that Eastern was the nine. And Eastern gets the nine. First of all, everybody always asks me, how do you feel? What do you think? And uh, here's the things that I root for. When the bracket was coming out, I root for, I was, when the seed came out, I saw Grizz six. I said, great. And then I, when, as the seven came, all I was thinking was I've never rooted so hard for a name to pop up on a screen. It had to be Montana State. I wanted to not have games on Thanksgiving weekend. I wanted to take the weekend off, and there it was. So that, that was a good thing for everybody in the state of Montana. It was. And I, at the selection show and, and the process, which, again, we're going to go through it, I, I there was no surprise to me. The Cats still deserve to see. There was no doubt about it. But I'm yep. sure some nervous moments down the line. I knew that there were nine teams for eight spots. Someone was going to be upset, whether it was East Tennessee State or not. We'll get into that. They're out of the SoCon. They beat Vanderbilt. We know the committee favors those FBS wins against Power 5 schools. That meant enough, at least, to bump a Big Sky school out. I wonder if the narrative was, hey, there's no way we're giving the Big Sky four seats. And that would have been a right. Colter Nuana's yep. narrative, too. I mean, five teams did get in. But when you talk about the draws, no one got an easy one. I think maybe the, the best team that didn't get a seed is probably South Dakota State. Nobody yep. wants to play them. Well, Davis gets to go to Brookings. Good luck with that. Winner of that gets to go play Sacramento State. Um, Eastern Washington, they have to play at Missouri Valley School, and they have to play in the first round. Cats have to play a hot Missouri State team coming in that thinks they've been slighted all year long. That took Oklahoma State to a seven-point game, and the Grizz probably have the toughest route, having to play Eastern, JMU, NDSU. So, again, we'll get into all of that, but certainly was fascinating how the bracket got revealed. Montana Football Hour presented by Brett's RV and Marine. It's uh, winter fast approaching. Need to winterize your RV, or maybe you want to store it, maybe you want to trade it in. Whatever you need, Brett's RV and Marine can help you get your RV ready for winter. Brett's RV and Marine has been Family-owned and operated for more than 50 years. Stop by 4800 Grand Creek Road. Start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana. So much of what makes the rivalry game between Montana and Montana State so great is, as every coach will tell you, every fan will tell you, it's 365 days a year. It's every day, all day, every day. The cliche that you're either a cat or a grizz, I don't believe that that's necessarily true. I think that there is an ability to be neither uh, or have... Um, positive attachments to both for 364 days, <laughs> not one. But uh, I always think of this uh, with a Star Wars analogy. There's a force that exists within this rivalry matchup, and the the health of the matchup. No matter what, if you're a Grizz fan and you want Montana State to be the worst ever and go 0 and 11, that's incorrect. That's bad for your program too. Same thing if you're Montana State. If you want all the worst things in the world to happen in the Grizz program and for them to not exist anymore, which I heard from Bobcat fans throughout the years, that's not what is best for both football teams. What is best for both football teams and universities and for the state of Montana as a whole is what we saw Saturday, not in terms of the action of the game, but the scenarios that existed before, during, and after the game. When both these teams go to the playoffs, no matter win, lose, or draw, that's a tremendous thing. Because that helps mitigate a lot of the instability that's created by the overreaction to this game. If this game is only the only thing a team has to play for or uh, it, it has too much paramount nature, then all of a sudden that results in the firing of coaching staffs irrationally. And that's bad for the state of football in the state of Montana and in the Big Sky Conference. I think in this game, more than three wins in a row is unhealthy for the state of the rivalry. I think that the seesaw is what makes both sides better. It makes ships, like, high tides make ships rise, right? Like, the better Montana State is, the better it is for Montana. The better Montana is, the better it is for Montana State. I mean, the the domination of Montana in this rivalry is why Montana State's so good right now. That's that's exactly exactly what it is. Montana State had to find a way to keep up to, with Montana and they leveled the playing field in terms of facilities and recruiting and all this sort of stuff, at least a little bit more than they had. 
And so I just think the balance within the rivalry, I know that there's so much emotion on it and very few people are going to say, Coulter, I 100% agree with you. But, but I thought what Mike Kramer said on this show last week was so fascinating. He said the phenomenon of sport, particularly the penultimate nature of the result of sport, is so unique, fascinating, and also, when you really think about it, strange. It's so hard for us to delineate quality and positivity beyond the end result. The fact that this rivalry exists and that this is providing opportunities for young men across America to be on one of the biggest stages in college football, to learn great values that they will certainly carry on in their lives, and to get wonderful educations from premier state institutions, that's what this is all about. And so then to put all this incredible amount of I mean, I'll call you out right now. I've been on both message boards this last couple weeks. Oh, that was your first message. I know, but, like, people were insane about this stuff forever. But, like, right now there's all this stuff on there, like, just ripping Brent Vegan and his staff to shreds. And it's like, I get that there was several factors in this game that propelled Montana to a victory, one of which was there's a coach in this game who, believe I believe he tied Don Reed's record for the most times as a head coach in this game. Is that correct? Ten times. Yep, yep, ten times. There's only been two guys in the history of this rivalry that have coached in this game ten times. Don Reed and now Bobby Houck. He won the day against Brent Vegan. That's not that crazy. That's not that out of the left field. In fact, it's completely predictable. So there's all this stuff about people calling out, fire this guy, fire that guy. Get a grip, people. Montana State's won nine or more games six times in their football history. It's one of the great seasons the Bobcats have had. And just because it ended like this in the regular season, still a buy in the playoffs, still getting a home game, still have an inside track to make a run. If they can get back right, both mentally and physically, Montana State's absolutely still a contender to go to the Final Four, as they have been all year long. Yes, there's 125 FCS teams in the country. And these are two of the top eight. And one can make the argument that it's two of maybe the top five. That is nothing but a good thing for the state of this rivalry, the state of Montana in general. And you talk about the stage that these guys played on. These games are going to be remembered forever. When these guys are, right. that are now 19 and 20 years old, when they're 55, they're going to be talking about, man, that atmosphere in Missoula was crazy. Yep. Even the Cat guys, man, we got overwhelmed in that game. Whatever no it might be. No question. And it's so great to have the national spotlight on this. There were over 90 players in this game yep. from the state of 91. Montana. That is so awesome. I yep. mean, on so many different levels and the overreaction, everybody out there, yep. pump the breaks. And there's all sorts of things that go into the narrative of this too because there's so much history that is created by it. But one thing that I have learned that is a pretty undeniable and pretty consistent defining factor in success in this game is which team has the group of veteran if not senior players with the most to play for in terms of their legacy within the scope of this historical event. We saw in 2019 both these teams were pretty evenly matched in terms of personnel. Dalton Steve being hurt was certainly a huge factor for the Grizzlies. And Troy Anderson not playing was certainly a huge factor for the Bobcats. But other than that, Montana State won the day because they had multiple guys from Montana who played outside of their minds and led them to victory. Logan Jones had his best game ever as a Bobcat. Mitch Brott had his best game ever as a Bobcat. Josh Hill had his best game ever as a Bobcat. That happened Saturday except for the Grizzlies. And then when Jace Lewis starts balling and he blocks this field goal and he gets it to his man, Justin Ford, now it's like everybody's from Montana because you're starting to, to, osmosis is so powerful, you're starting to fuel off the energy. So I think that the fact that Montana played with a certain level of desperation was exactly what they needed. You, you mentioned just the chip on your shoulder, the underdog mentality, but I thought it was Jace Lewis more than anything, willing his team to victory. And it's not just Jace. There's a lot of great leaders on this Montana football team. But, again, I knew uh, – everybody asked me what I thought of this. I had really no take on who I thought. I, I had my Grizz will win if, Bobcats will win if. The first thing that showed me a true and, undef- and undeniable edge was when Jace Lewis sauntered out of the tunnel on senior day looking like Ray Lewis. At that moment, I was like, oh, man, Montana State's in for it. And you said one point here just a couple of seconds ago. Who had the most to play for? Yep. Well, legacy. This Grizzly senior class did not want to walk out of the door never beating their rival. Yep. And that was massive. And, and we talk about, and I know that the Cats didn't play in the spring either. So you could say that this narrative is the same for both, but this is where I do go to the coaching change. This group stuck together 
Yep. For this one purpose, it really was that, hey, no more. No more in this rivalry game. We have one more chance at it. We are the more desperate team. We are, quote-unquote, the underdog role. I'm with you. Senior day, normally I don't get wrapped up in senior day. It was tough to get words out because there was just emotion in that building um, from when Jace Lewis came out of the tunnel. But you're right. Desperation, legacy, who has the most to play for in this game. And make no mistake about it, I know this could be another factor. People go, okay, whatever, you overlooked that. A couple years ago, the Cats were the team with 52 guys in the state. Yep. Grizzlies had about 29 when Bobby was hired. That's, that's exactly right, 29. And now, over 50 for Montana. 53 for Montana if you count Robbie Houck. And 38 th- for Montana State. Somewhere in there, there's an X factor. That's all I'm going to I mean, it's, but it's I, I, think, I think it's actually a little bit more defined than just somewhere in there. I don't think it's some esoteric, uh, crazy, undefinable thing. I think the fact of the matter is that the backbone of your program, not the stars, not the key playmakers, the backbone of your program is always going to be Montana kids because of all of the romantic ideas that we want to pin on that, but also because of the financial realities of it. The more guys you can get, for less scholarship money, the more money you got to go get other guys, the more Justin Fords you can go get too. So the budgeting of the roster is easier when you have more Montana guys, but also though, they can teach the guys from out of state about the way of life, about the the importance and um, undeniable passion that's behind this game. And I, I do, I think that, I'm not saying that if you have, I, I think there's a sweet spot. Because I don't think, you know, per this argument, you would say, oh, if you just go get 99 guys from Montana, you'd win this game every year. That's also not true. It permeates through the locker room, and it comes really from the top, too. And then you see the senior leadership and all the way down the board. Where, yes, I'm with you, but the, the Montana, the flavor of, of who can have the most and understanding what this game means and the passion surrounding it, again, what do you see when you look at Montana football and the program they have right now? From Bobby Houck to the seniors all the way down to the Montana natives. Passion. That's right. They know every, with all their being, what this meant, and they poured it all out there on the field. I don't think if any, if either team had to play this week, it'd be really hard yep. for Montana State to try and overcome what happened and for Montana to r- try and get up again. They poured everything out into this game. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. It's the Montana Football Hour presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Stockman Bank has 36 locations. They're only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. A bank for Montanans by Montanans. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana's brand of banking today. We don't have any post-game sound. That's not a story worth telling on this deal. We will have some later on, uh, probably next week, as we get prepped up for the playoffs. Uh, no nuances now. After today, I'm taking the rest of the week off. Well-deserved. But the uh, one thing that Brent Vegan did say, and I'll paraphrase, this is Montana State's head football coach. He said, this game was not a matter of not wanting it for us. And I actually believe that that's true. Uh, I think that there was a lot of different elements that went into Montana owning the emotional level of this game, but I don't think it was for a lack of desire from the Bobcats. If you sat there in the press conference and you saw Troy Anderson speak, the guy wanted it more than you could possibly want something. And sometimes things just don't go your way. And that is actually, I think, what is the most beneficial part of sport. That's what the biggest educational part of sport is. But all that said, I, I do think that there's ways for one team to win the emotional element of this game without the other team not understanding. It doesn't take just... No- what am I trying to say? It's not that Montana State just truly were, were overlooking this game or anything like that. I think they had all of the desire and passion in the world. Sometimes the momentum within the scope of a game just gets out of hand. And we felt that kind of early on in the game. Absolutely. And, and, and yes, it's a trickle-down effect. And that's why, again, all the message board, the keyboard warriors out there Never. and everything in between... This game's under a magnifying glass. We yep. know that, okay? But at the same time, sports happen. Games, you can't That's explain right. certain things that happen in this game. And momentum, I guess when you come down to it, it, we keep circling back to that. That was the primary X factor in this game is sometimes momentum, you can't explain certain things. And uh, overreactions, let's keep them under wraps. Tremendous year for the Big Sky Conference in terms of national prestige. The first time the Big Sky Conference has ever gotten five teams into the FCS football playoff bracket. Yet, we got a lot to complain about. Bracket analysis here on Nuana's Now right after this. 
After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Radio. Smile, I don't want to see you cry. Got some questions that I gotta ask, and I hope you can come up with answers, baby. Girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down and out? Would you still have love for me, girl? What's up, Montana? Welcome back. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas. We're coming to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Montana, new to Missoula. You can find them here in the Garden City at the corner of Stevens and Mount. You can also check out the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest by visiting nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. It's the Montana Football Hour. My good friend and voice of the Grizz, Riley Corcoran, joining me, Coulter Nuanas, in studio. Montana Football Hour, presented in part by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine has 75 RV and boat brands to choose from, which gives them the largest inventory under the big sky. Stop by 4800 Grand Creek Road. Start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana. University of Montana posted a 29-10 victory over Montana State on Saturday in Missoula. With the victory, Montana finishes 9-2 overall, as does Montana State. Four, count them, four Big Sky Conference teams with at least nine victories. Sacramento State goes 8-0 in league play after defeating UC Davis 27-7 in the Causeway Classic. That gives Sac State their first ever outright Big Sky Championship. So I want to start there just for a moment. I've covered this league for a long time. I, I believe that there's only two schools that have ever that have gone undefeated in the Big Sky Conference during the modern era. I, ca- I count the modern era since 1996, when Idaho, Nevada, and Boise State were all out of the league, and then Portland State and Sacramento State had both joined the league, and the team and the league started playing eight-game conference schedules. But I believe Montana five or maybe six times, and Eastern Washington two or maybe three times. Went undefeated 8-0 in Big Sky Conference play. Now, Sac State joins that group. Weber never did during their run. Weber never did. Wow. Weber lost one game in conference play each time. So, and in Montana State, when they went three in a row, they were 7-1 each of those years as well. So, um, I know that we we love to bemoan the nature of the unbalanced schedule in the Big Sky. It's easy to do. It's low-hanging fruit. And I know that Sac State did not play Eastern Washington or Montana State or um, Weber State this year. But that's still incredible that Sacramento State has won 16 of their first 17 games against Big Sky Conference opponents in Troy Taylor's tenure. What more do you want them to do? As far, <laughs> I mean, right. hey, the teams are in front of them and they're winning. I, and so we get to the bracket, too. I had no problem with where Sacramento State was at. Do I wish that everybody could play each other? Yes. Does that demean what Sacramento State did? No. Right, and they came into Missoula and won, and they also beat a ranked UC Davis team, a top ten UC Davis team. They ran them out of the stadium. Yeah, they ran in a them out of the game exactly. on the road. I mean that, yeah, exactly. that, that was very impressive. So that then results in Sacramento State taking the highest seed out of the Big Sky Conference, the number four seed. Sam Houston State, the spring national champion, gets the one. They're undefeated. North Dakota State, of course, they're at number two. <laughs> James Madison is at number three. And then Sac State 4, Villanova, controversial at number 5. Montana, number 6. East Tennessee, controversial at number 7. And Montana State gets in at number 8. Eastern Washington, basically the 9 seed. They have to host a tough Northern Iowa team in Cheney on Saturday. And UC Davis, after one of the better seasons they've had since moving to Division One, they get the ripe reward of going to Brookings, South Dakota, to play the team that, in my opinion, the best team I've seen this year, it's South Dakota State. Yes, they were number one for half of the year, and after they beat Colorado State, everyone's like, my gosh, it's South Dakota State and everybody else. Well, things happen, injuries throughout the course of the year, but what a tough draw for UC Davis to have to go there. 
if, as we dive into this, okay, I, I had no, and I'm a top 25 voter, so I, I have followed this throughout the course of the year. The top four I had no problems with. If you win your conference championship, as we've seen with even the the FBS playoff, that that carries a lot of weight. That's fine with me. Sacramento State came in here and won. Didn't matter that Chris Brown was a quarterback or not. But the difference between five and six, when you look at this bracket, is massive. And when you compare Villanova's resume up against Montana, this isn't sour grapes. You jump in if I'm saying anything that's not logical here, okay? Villanova and Montana had the same record. Yep. Nine wins. Yep. yep. And those were all Division One wins. Yep. Okay. So we're even there. What league was better this year? Big Sky or the CAA? Big Sky. The CAA had a record low two teams in. Yep. Nova and James Madison. Yep. Nobody else. So strength of conference, way better. Let's go to the losses. Villanova lost to an FBS team. Okay, that's fine. And they lost to William and Mary, who's unranked. Montana lost to number four Sacramento State and number nine Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. And then if you still think that it's even, Nova's best win was over JMU. Montana's was over Washington. Right. I, I just can't. I don't want to slam the committee altogether. I just don't understand five versus six. You can't tell me Villanova has a better resume than Montana. That's right. And, and the difference between five and six is massive when you look at this draw. So it's, it's interesting to me. And then you go to the other side of the coin with East Tennessee State getting the final seed over Eastern Washington. There could be a bone to be picked there, too. But then I think that the thing that is so striking about the bracket, more than just which seeds were awarded, was who is on what side of the oh. bracket and what draws everybody got. If you're a Montana State follower, I'll tell you this. In my personal opinion, Montana State, with a loss and the eight seed, got the best draw of any Big Sky Conference team. They get the winner of Tennessee Martin and Missouri State. Now, I know Missouri State has been one of the breakout teams of this year, and Bobby Petrino who, by the way, over the weekend, we had a couple more Big Sky Conference openings come open with Paul Petrino being let go at Idaho and Rob Fennessy a mere hours before the game let go at Idaho. I mean, what, what, just bad form, man. That's just a bad, bad timing. The dude's one and nine. He's going to go one and 10. You can just let him go after the game. What's the point of sending out a press release hours before the game? It just seems silly to me, but we're going to get into that second hour uh, with Andrew Houghton because he's been on the Idaho State beat uh, these last couple of years, they're in Pocatello, but I, I know I know that it's the playoffs now, okay, and and so there's no real true easy draws. There's also not nearly the easy draws like there was a couple of years ago. Like teams like Austin P and Albany that Montana State beat, they're like borderline top twenty five teams. But these are schools that had dormant, non existent football pro- programs for a long time that had brought football back, so they just don't have the same. Momentum and, and tradition. And you still have a couple of these in here, and I'm going to go on Villanova again. They get the winner of Sacred Heart and Holy Cross. Hey, I mean, that's just money. And and I I understand why this bracket is regionalized, mm-hmm. but it delegitimizes the FCS in a big way because of how this is coming out. Oh, what, you can look at it this way. Okay, we have second-round matchup possibilities of UC Davis playing Sac State. Well, they just played last week. You're going North Dakota State is going to play a conference opponent, Southern Illinois or South Dakota. Montana, more than likely, is going to play Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. The playoffs are about mixing and matching and, and for other conferences to play each other. Not to have this just be, okay, at the end of the day, semifinals, you're going to have one Missouri Valley team last, one Big Sky team last, one Colonial team. I just... The regionalization of this delegitimizes the FCS. Look at the draws for these squads. So Montana State, by the way, they're going to get the winner of Tennessee, Martin, and Missouri State. But they are the eights. Then if the seedings hold, they'll play Sam Houston State in the quarterfinals. Sam Houston State is the defending spring national champions. They are undefeated, but they come from a league that is significantly less competitive than either the Big Sky or the Missouri Valley. And I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. The, the lack of newness is also so random. Like, I've been covering the, this is my 11th year on the Bobcat beat. I've never seen Montana State lose out in the playoffs to anybody besides North Dakota State and Sam Houston State. Not once. They made the playoffs seven times. That's wild. And that's exactly really? what, that's what it's going to be unless, like, basically this is going to come down to if the, everything holds. Let's say the Bobcats knocked out Sam Houston. They replace it on that side of the bracket. Then they'd likely play either their rival or North Dakota State in the championship, depending on who gets there. But that's way way out in front of us. Oh, man. But some of these other draws, UC Davis on the road to South Dakota State, okay, they lost their last game, so I you know, I don't really know 
if they have any room to, to scream and yell. But terrible draw for Sac State. They either get a rematch against their rival who they just beat or they get the best team in the country that I've seen in South Dakota State. Montana gets a team that beat them earlier this year. That's a bad matchup for them, honestly. But I do think under the lights at Washington Grizzly Stadium on Friday night is going to be short week. Uh, short week for whoever wins that Eastern. That's exactly right. That's going to be a daunting task for either Northern Iowa or Eastern Washington. But then uh, you look at the the uh, the rest of it, and basically, let's say let's say for the Cats to go on a run, you'd have to beat an up, probably an upstart Missouri State team, and then probably the number one seed. And then if you get to that point, then you're probably going to have to play South Dakota State which is going to be an pr- incredibly tough matchup, although it would be ironic because the game would be in Bozeman even though South Dakota State is better than Montana State. That's crazy. But then you look at the Grizz. If the Grizz are going to make a run, they would have to beat the number four team in the country in this week's poll, Eastern Washington. They would have to then play the number three team in the country in James Madison. Then they'd have to play the number two team in the country in North Dakota State. And that's, again, assuming that the seeds hold both of those last two on the road. That's exactly right. So these are really, really tough draws. But... Want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Want to be the man, you got to beat the man. That's exactly Goals. right. Long story short, it's going to be interesting for both of these teams because as big as the regular season was and as big as Saturday was, it really is a clean slate. For Montana State, can you hit the restart button? Can you show that within that locker room you are better than what you were on Saturday? Because if that's the case, for the reasons you just mentioned, they absolutely have the, the setup to make a run in this thing. Yep. And for the Grizzlies... Can you stay hungry? Can you play like you did against Montana State? Because if you do, as daunting as that task looks, I guarantee you nobody wants to play that Montana deep. No one's going to be eager to play that Montana defense, hence James Madison, North Dakota State. It's going to be fun, and I love that, again, for the health of this rivalry and everything in between, we have a couple more Montana football hours, man, where we are going to talk both of these teams for the next couple of weeks because they are relevant nationally and they are two of probably six or seven teams that could win the whole thing. Absolutely. Like I always say, that's my parting thought on the Montana football hour presented by Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. One of the best parts about the FCS is that coaching and development and resilience are all part of the narrative of every team's season because it's very unlikely, even as much as North Dakota State's dominated the last 10 years, they're going to go undefeated. NDSU only has, I believe, three undefeated seasons in their eight national championship seasons. When you lose, not if, but when you lose, the way that that moment alters the scope of your season, how your players respond how you move forward from that moment is so huge. If you treat a loss in a huge rivalry game like Montana State had on Saturday and you use it as a launching point, you use it as sort of a let's scrap that and let's get back to what helped us win nine games in a row, it can help you have a resounding performance in your next game like Montana had back in 2019 when they hung 73 points on southeastern Louisiana. On the other side of this thing, though, I think it's the exact same dynamic but in the opposite fashion for Montana. They can't be drunk off the Cat Grizz win. They can't have a hangover from a raucous win that they wanted so much. But if they can parlay that, that could be a launch point as well. So I do think that the way that both of these teams respond from what was an incredibly uh, energetic and passion-filled game on Saturday is the key to each team's success this next month. And they're going to have uh, a lot of interesting Thanksgiving conversations too because there's a lot of time to think about it. And I mean that both in a good way and a bad way, but you are spot on with that. And uh be great for you because you're going to hit up a doubleheader. You got a Friday exactly night game right. here and then a Saturday afternoon game in Bozeman the next day, December football. The only thing that's not cooperating, I looked at the early 10-day forecast. What's up with this 40-degree stuff in December, man? I want, I want snowflakes under the lights, December 3rd against Eastern Washington. Let's get some, get some. I know. We need the weather machine. For, for the record, just for entertainment purposes only, what do you think the early line is on you and I and Eastern? Oh, I th- man. Eastern minus seven. Two. Whoa. Watch out. That's a coin flip game. That is, a lot of people aren't saying that's a coin flip game. Northern Iowa 
they can lose to anybody, but they can also beat anybody. Northern Iowa was nasty, nasty on defense. They beat Sac State by two touchdowns earlier this year, and they are a team that's been in the playoffs perennially. I know their fans get frustrated with game, them losing games that maybe they're not supposed to lose during seasons, but they're always competitive in the playoffs. Mark Farley is one of the veteran coaches in the country, so that'll be a, a good game. The Montana Football Hour presented by Sackman Bank and Brett's RV and Marine. For the voice of the Grizz, Riley Corker, and I'm Colter Nuanas. Keep it right here. More talk on the FCS playoffs, the rivalry game, state championship football. Oh, and by the way, Dane Oliver, the main man from Missoula Sentinel, and his defensive coordinator, Mike Matz. They'll join us in hour number two as well. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 